The Law Report with Michael Matwening Bell, Kaya FM 95.9. All right, joining me in the studio is uh, Nontlantla Mjali. She's an attorney. Uh, Nontlantla, thank you so much for, for joining us. Thanks, Mike, for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. And on the line, I'm joined by Mr. McDonald uh, Nechitende. Uh, Mr. Nechitende, thank you so much for joining us. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Yes. Um, okay, so Nandandam um, Jali, an attorney, McDonald Nechitende, Chief Director, Consumer and Corporate Regulation Division at the Department of Trade and Industry. Um, interesting developments, um, you know, particularly um, on, on a copyright front, but there's something that we haven't quite traversed on this show. Um, and it's, you know, copyrights and what you produce within the context of, of your employment. And that's really what you know, what I'm focused and, and I want to learn more about. But but before we do that, maybe let's just, if you can maybe help us unpack what intellectual property is. Yeah, good uh, good evening and uh, to the listeners. Uh, intellectual property in the main has got four domains. Mm. Yeah, the first one and it's a, it's a trademark. Trademark is sort of a logo identity, uh, examples of a logo of a, or a brand, uh, you say then a Coke, and then you can go in the cars, it's a, say brands, BMW, and then in the foodstuffs, you may have a OK Bazaar 1929, uh, these are the brands. Mm, mm. And then therefore, uh, you you need to protect them by registering, claiming ownership uh, on them so that it is yours, you exclude other people. So this is uh, what we call a trademark. Sure. And then the other uh, form of intellectual property is a patent. Uh, a patent is um, you protect your idea and therefore... Uh, it is uh, sort of, uh, it has got technologies in it. 90% of all technologies that you know are contained in the patents. So your gadgets, telephones, there are patents in them. The medicines that we drink, they are patented. Uh, so these are just examples. Mm. And then another uh, form of intellectual property is uh, say design. A design uh, is uh, something that is uh, can be protected also, and then it may be similar to a trademark. You design something, you protect it. But what what would be an example of a design? Um, um... A design, say the bottle of coke. You see mm, mm, the mm. way how it is designed. Mm. Uh, it has got a, a form of a design at the same time. It has got uh, so it can be a brand at the same time. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying uh, a design and a trademark make look the same. Sure. And then uh, the place that we see the glasses that we drink water. Water does not have a taste in the main, but because of the design of a glass, uh, the water may be nice. You know. <laughs> so. The other one form of intellectual property is a copyright. A copyright has got two streams. I will give an example. Uh, uh, the copyright, you find that you 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 write a book. It's an artistic work. And it's a form of a, a copyright, and then the literature that you produce, the drawings. Uh, this are uh, form of copyright, and then the music. But before I go to the music, uh, there are related rights to copyright. Hello. Yes. Yeah. Yes, there are related rights to copyright, and then we may say this related rights. Some countries call them neighboring rights. They are related to copyright. Example. Uh, the performer, the performer dances the song, but that song might have been written by an author or a composer. So performance is related to 
a copyright, a composition. The dancer and the person who composed may not be the same person. And then another right related to copyright is a, a recording, a re, like recording companies owning the CD. And then uh, the other related right is broadcast right. So therefore, when we say copyright, sometimes we use them interchangeably, but there is performance right, there is broadcast right, uh, there is also uh, performer and uh, and their broadcasting right, uh, which is related to copyright. So, so therefore, these are forms of intellectual property, and then one may talk of traditional knowledge that is also coming into space. But I will stop there as a description. And, and, and that's something that would. That's something that would be of tremendous interest to me because, I mean, when we talk about traditional knowledge, um, yeah. that's that's kind of the topic going forward. But but you, you, you're quite right. It, we, we should certainly um, come back to it. I'm having a discussion yeah. with my guest in the studio, Nantlan uh, Lamjadi, who's an attorney, McDonald Nechitende, who's the chief director at the DTI. And we're talking about copyrights. We're talking about trademark, patents, um, and, and design rights. But in particular, we want to be actually exploring the concept of if you work for a company and in the course of your work you're producing what could be intellectual property, who owns this property? What rights have you got in regard to this property? Uh, if you want to participate and ask uh, any of my guests a question, do give us a call. Number to dial 86 and, and And perhaps, let me then, before moving on to Nantlan Samjali, maybe just ask you for now um, this question. The DTI, or the Department of Trade and Industry, in regard to these rights or all of these, uh, 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 what constitutes collectively intellectual property, what is the role of your organization? Yeah, collective rights. Um, so no, not, not collective rights, so all of these rights viewed collectively. Um, <laughs> what is... <laughs> Yeah, no, it's okay, I understand. Sure. Yeah, no, uh, if you are an employee, as an example, yeah. uh, as for now, the copyright as it stands, and the international treaty that this copyright act is based on, mm. uh, you find that uh, you get a salary. Yeah, so I wasn't quite was, there. I mean, we'll get to that. Where I was oh. is is what the DTI actually does. What's the okay. function of the DTI? Yeah. Yes. yes. We produce this legislation. Mm-hmm. All these domains are regulated by a regulation, an act of parliament. So we take uh, the bills to parliament and then parliament passes legislation to regulate all these domains that I was uh, describing. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, uh, there should be policies informing uh, this uh, domains, and then thirdly, uh, you find that the DTI will have to say, come and register the form yes. of intellectual property, mm-hmm. as I described them. We have uh, uh, companies and uh, intellectual property commission, which is an agency within the DTI that. Uh, register trademark as I described them, register patents, and then register uh, uh, designs. And the copyright in the main, you don't register generally, but the exception video, uh, and uh, you can register a video, mm-hmm. and therefore that is the function of the DTI in the main. And then Finally, when the DTI negotiates with other countries uh, for trade uh, trade agreements, uh, that agreement may have a form of intellectual protection, how the, the partnership between the countries, how they should protect their intellectual property. Uh, so therefore, we also protect our intellectual property. So, so from the point of view of... An Afropolitan sitting at home and they say, you know, um, I have 
um, a trademark that I'd like to grow, they can come to the Department of Trade and Industry to register that trademark. Correct. Yeah. If I could bring you in um, uh, on, on this one, and particularly now turning to the issue of, of employees, and, and I think that when we all enter into an employment arrangement, um, we're all enthusiastic and want to get, get along and get with the program. Nobody sits there and say, you know, but what about these nuances? We're kind of asking the basic questions like how much am I going to get? Am I getting leave? And all of those kind of things. What, what regulates what I produce at work? In other words, how do you know who it belongs to? Okay, Mike, so generally with copyright, so copyright mm. vests or it belongs to the creator yeah. of that particular copyright in question. Now, you raise a very important question because if you are an employee, it means that you have an employer, mm. right? Uh, more importantly, also, if you have an employer, it's likely that you have an, a contract of employment. Sure. Now, if we look at, for instance, Kaya FM, mm. um, where you are uh, an employee, for instance, or you're a contractor or you're a freelancer, whichever one it is, um, it could be that in the terms and of your employment contract or your freelancing contract, it sets out clearly that any content or any concept that you produce mm. during the scope and course of your employment is not your property. It's property that belongs to um, your employer. Yeah. So the long and short of it is it's probably going to be in the terms and conditions of your employment contract. Much more often than not, we do see that um, when you're a creative or you're in a space that allows you to be creative, um, the rights of that copyright and question passed to your employer subject to of course um, that that right or that idea came about when you were um, during or were during the scope and course of your employment and, and I guess that's probably the easy one I, I, I'm not sure Mr. Charlie, where you know if if I have a contract then there's no gray area right because I would have said employer whatever I produce it's yours and and and, and I'm imagining a case of a gray area where there isn't a contract and and or there is a contract, but it's silent on who owns the the what what the intellectual property I produce. Um, and 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 I think you used an example of the creative space, and I think the creative space is so well advanced that it's settled, and and there, there's very there's hardly any kind of conflict um, there because you know that if you've produced a show, even absent a contract, I don't suppose I could have claimed that oh I've done this show, so I'm going to take the recording and I own it. I, I think, you know, it's, it's a more advanced, but there's, I imagine, more um, nuances and different types of context. So, so crisply, absent a specific contract that says ownership of the IP produced vests with the employer, what, what, what then happens in, in that situation? I would argue that the copyright then falls with the employee because mm. there's no contractual provision or any stipulation um, within which the employer would want to enforce the right because you must remember that the employer is not going to say they want the copyright and just to keep it they're probably going to want to enforce it mm. to use it um, and it's likely that it will add some form of commercial value so mm. to answer your question I definitely say the copyright vests with the employee um, again the benefit obviously of the employer getting the copyright is for some commercial benefit or financial advantage or gain. And, 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 and you know, if I could bring you in, uh, McDonald and Chitenda, where, you know, I mean, I, I'm thinking, for example, of a photographer. I, I commission the photograph and it is, it is at my instance. Um, um, you know, who owns that photograph? I mean, that's probably a more simpler example. And, and, and I want to bring it to, to, to uh, what, what, what uh, Ms. Mjali then says about... Um, you know, uh, in the context of an employer-employee, but but maybe let's just bring it out a little bit and 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 look at it as a arm's-length uh, contracting between two people. Yeah, if if there is no contract, uh, as we already agreed, is that uh, the employer owns it, mm. and then when it goes to this uh, gray area, mm. uh, so. So the photographer uh, generally works for the employer. Mm. So the same argument holds. But we are moving away from uh, that arrangement of saying the photographer uh, should own mm. uh, the photograph, and then and then also the artist should enter into an arrangement 
of exploiting it because you find that you, you as an employee, you produce a lot of intellectual property or copyright, but the, uh, the, the, the employer just shares them. They do not uh, exploit them commercially. Yeah. So why can't we have an arrangement of saying uh, within a certain period, a great time, allow me to exploit and come with commercial product uh, instead of shelving them? So that's where we are moving, and we encourage that all these arguments should be closed one day, and we find that there is a commercial activity, there is a creativity in, in, in the space. I want to take uh, your calls and you can uh, also give me a call by dialing the number 086-00-00959. Ali from Takani, good evening and thank you so much for calling. Uh, good evening, Mkaya. Are you well? Yeah, Mkaya, I'm not sure if Nonsanta can assist me. Yeah. My story is very short. Mm-hmm. Um, but if she can, I would like your producer to pass my number to her. Mm-hmm. I'm embroiled now with a very big uh, media house mm. I, I, i'm not a celebrity but i'm the guy who always wear that trademark that's written not captured which is has been used by almost all the medias in the world which i don't mind but this media house which i will not like to mention at this stage they decided to establish an advert for themselves for fundraising without consulting me and accidentally i came across it and they have subsequently withdrew it and apologized. But to cut a long uh, story short, then they offered me 1250 as um, sort of a commission. How can I have a commission for, for a contract that does not exist? They never asked my permission. And because I don't have money to fight them, I think it's unfair because... They are saying, we have apologized. What more do you want? And yes, 1,250 rand. And they've made an advert that has been flighted all over the world. I don't think that is fair. Mm. I don't know if you have any clarification questions, Nantan um, Samjadi. Uh, um, or, or you good to just deal with the question? Um, with um, with the listener, Alif, I'm correct. Um, the most important question here is that you raise uh, the fact that you've got a concept that you've created. Mm. Um, but is the concept protected? In other words, was there any application that you did to get a copyright for this particular so, so concept? So let me get this concept. So what is the concept? Ali? Uh, come again. What is the concept? In other words, what is, what is it that Not you... I, I, I am the guy where, where that uh, Makarapa is written, not captured. Mm. If you Google Kosatu Machis, I'm there. If you Google Zondo Commission, I'm there. And the media use it very uh, uh, enough, which I don't have. A they use your picture. They use my picture for reporting purposes. And if you, if you can Google Zondo Commission now, you'll find me there with that Makoporo. Which is not a problem, but I think you cross a line when you decide to use the trademark for commercial purposes. And these media houses, these media houses decided to make an advert for for funds collection. It's, it's about I think I think that's a very good uh, call, uh, Ali, because I think it brings us back to actually analyzing what what qualifies as as an intellectual property yeah, and and and, 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 and i'm going to google this as we take a break i'm going to google this and when we come back i'm going to allow both my guests and Anton Samchal, as well as mcdonald Nachitende, to deal with your question and 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 i think your question allows us to traverse very important questions to say what is what what is eligible for protection so we're going to take a break and when we come back we continue our discussion Welcome back. We continue our discussion talking about intellectual property and who owns the things that you produce. And we got a very interesting call from Ali um, who says that he is, um, he started essentially um, a, 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 a thing which we will give a, a name shortly once we can classify it in terms of from a legal point of view to say when you, you know, he, so when you produce something, he has a safety hat um, that is written on on it, um, not captured, and he's gone and uh, used and has appeared in, in several media, and now he feels that other people are exploiting what he 
essentially created for some commercial advantage. And, and, and that's really um, where we are. And I think it lends itself to us understanding in the first place whether in doing that, do you create something that is worthy of intellectual property protection? Okay. I don't think we can completely dismiss Ali's um, mm. concept or idea and say it has no value. But yeah. what's most important with Ali is that if you've got a trademark in mind, in order for you to receive protection for that trademark, you need to apply. Mm. Um, and in the absence of that um, application of that particular trademark, it means that you don't have protection. And of course, one of the ramifications of not having protection is that any and everyone can make usage of that particular trademark. So, Michael, I'll give you an example. Mm. I don't know if you've seen a fidget spinner so mm. fidget spinner is literally a gadget that you I know can fidget play. spinner yeah. I got two play. boys <laughs> <laughs> you know you can play around with it so uh, I did a little bit of research and reading on the fidget spinner and it turns out actually that the creator um, of the fidget spinner had no um, intellectual property rights uh, to protect this uh, fidget spinner so what came out is that you'd find thousands of fidget spinners rather in the market whereas it was created by one person so synonymous to Ali is that you've got a great concept in mind but in the absence of protection of that particular concept it literally means that any and everyone can use it and most important is that they can use it without any compensation any payment to you uh, despite the fact that the person who makes usage of it has some commercial gain or advantage and you are the original creator of that particular concept mm, mm. but but i mean you know it is a failure to register it uh, um uh, mcdonald is a failure to register it sort of the end of the matter mm. yeah and 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 and, 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 and mm, yes, I have a different uh, perspective mm-hmm. from my colleague there. Yes, uh, that uh, this makarata um, uh, or whatever you describe, uh, it can qualify to be a trademark. You can register it, and then if it is registered, then there are remedies, and then there are also common law, um, common law trademarks that are not registered. Generally, you find them in the farming uh, areas where it is used by common uh, uh, common people, meaning uh, collective farmers. Mm. And then it is not registered, but they have been using it for decades, mm. you know, centuries. And then somebody just took it and ran to the registration office with the DTI and register it, meaning therefore that person now claims to be the owner of a trademark. There are cases in that area where the court said no, it is it needs to be registered by as a collective by the farmers in that area. Sure. So therefore therefore one can come with a perspective of saying this Makarapa or something similar may also be protectable and be given an identity to that particular person and may claim damages for people who are using it without the agreement or arrangement with that group of people or a person. But I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, if, if, if I can just ask, I mean, does it not matter? Um, I mean, you think about things about a word like or phrase like not in my name. Somebody would have come up with that, and the intention was never to commercialize it. And and no doubt, even Ali, um, I don't think the original thinking was to commercialize a Makarapa with not captured, right? Um, and then somebody else then picks it up and says, well, actually, I'm going to make some money off this. Um, would that not matter um, in, in the bigger consideration of things? Yeah, it, it, it matters. Yeah, you, and, and therefore, perhaps let me so take another bite at it because, because then I, I asked this question because I'm also curious about what is registrable, what is protectable, what, what, what is eligible for protection. And surely not all the nice things that we come up with are, are, are protectable. Yeah, uh, what is registrable is something that can become sort of uh, debatable, mm. but it may be a sort of a label, uh, your own label, mm. and then uh, you can invest some money in promoting that label. Uh, very little money involved. Yeah. But, but I mean, take, take Ali, for example. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Take yeah. Ali. Yeah. His was, I'm taking a stand yeah. against 
the capture of my country. And this is the position that I'm going to take. I'm going to be present at the state capture inquiry. Um, and I'm going to be heard in this fashion. I'm going to ventilate my frustration in this fashion. And, and, and therefore, can he then say, well, I own that? Yes, he can claim to say, uh, when I created this, I wanted an identity. Mm. The moment people see it, they associate it mm. with a certain activity, mm. and then there can be a value on it. But the issue of profits and the like is other issues. But all in, all in all, what I'm saying is that you can start with something small yeah. and promote it, and it can gain credence to the community. And when we see hashtag blah, 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 and it becomes an identity, mm. whether it's used commercially or for other means, then it can be your identity and you can register it. Okay, so you seem to be agreeing with uh, Nontlanza on, 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 on this score. Do you want to add something or, or, or we agree? Because... I'd say yes, I uh, agree. Because I know it's sort of I don't agree with my colleague, but then the following words are agreeing. I want to qualify the statement. No, I do agree with him completely. Yeah. So I don't dispute that Ali um, is the creator of the particular concept, but you mm. must also appreciate, Mike, in order for you to argue that you create the concept, you must able, you must rather be able to prove that you've created the concept. Yeah. And in the absence of a registration, it does become difficult to prove that. So that's sure. one pertinent factor that Ali would want but to... But not impossible, do, just, yes. just, just a lot more difficult. Ali, you got any... Any uh, concerns? Have we dealt with your question uh, adequately? I think it has been dealt with adequately, but I don't think ordinary guys like us at the grassroots level are protected because these guys are not only using this creation, this logo, this makarapa as in isolation. They are using my face as well. Can oh, you oh, I see. I, I try to. I try to. Uh, during the break, it was very short. I try to Google it quickly, and I and I found a T-shirt. Um, that, no, that, no, no. Yeah. I, no, no. If you if you go into Zondo Commission pictures, you okay, that's going to take me a, a while. Um, no, no, fine. But at the later stage, if you go. Okay, maybe if you uh, tweet it, or if somebody who knows what you're talking about tweets uh, it, it, and maybe tag me, I'll, I'll pick it up on Twitter, and maybe we can we can maybe be able to give. Remember, mm, Remember, Kosatu had a specific march against corruption. If you go into Kosatu march against corruption, mm. you'll see it. But nonetheless, uh, hopefully, we not. It's not about we don't agree. Yeah, no. Afropolitans will tweet it for me. Um, well, so I'll, I'll I'll get to know what you're talking about, Ali, and then maybe if once we get that and and everybody gets to see what you're talking about and your face, etc., we'll be able to help you better. Tulani, good evening, and thank you so much for calling. Yes, how are you? I'm good and self. Uh, I'm fine. The main major problem that I'm also been pondering is, yes, we are being employed by a company, but all time and again, in a year, you need to have improved ideas mm. in the working area. Then as you do that, and you saving company a whole lot of money, but you're being paid on the basis of, these are your tasks, but you need also to come up with an improved idea. Mm. But your intellectual property of you now saving the company a whole lot of money mm. is not getting to be paid upon mm. but you paid in terms of what you do specifically but you must come up with an improved idea is not that also part of my intellectual rights that it needs also to be compensated mm. yeah um mcdonald's you want to take that one yeah it, it is true that uh uh, intellectual property you can improve incrementally improve on it uh, an example let's say is a patent mm. uh, being a patent uh, you can have the original patent and then you come with something that is new uh, but it is dependent on the original so you have improved you can register and protect the, the added, the added uh, patent, if I may say so, but it is wholly dependent on the original. So therefore, the arrangement or contractual arrangement is that he should maybe get a bonus as, a, as an employee because he has improved. Mm. But if it has not improved to such an extent that it can be described as a patent, 
it may become sort of a, a petty patent or, or what we call a functional design, which is also uh, something that is not reaching the, the agreed threshold. Uh, because we are dealing with creativity here, mm-hmm. we may qualify to be given uh, something like a bonus and the like, because that is the creativity. Intellectual property per se is not uh, is not limited. You know, creativity is broader than intellectual property as we describe it. Uh, there is always an increment. Mm. Yeah. Sizwe on uh, from the Eastern. Good evening and thank you for calling. Hello, Sizwe. Yes, sir. Yes. Do you want to get to a better better place where you don't have background noise and we'll get back to you? One of the things okay. that one of the things that um, intrigued and interested me in this is when we talk about what you produce within the context of your employment, does it matter what your function was? So, for example, if I hire a lawyer and he um, produces great work that we're able to, you know, um, we, have, we don't have a contract. Let's, let's assume that. And produces great work and we build clients and there's an affidavit in court and it wins cases. Um, that affidavit is, I, 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 I would think that should that not be mine because that's something that is m- mainstream with, within what he does. Different the situation where he's hired to, rep- to produce documents that he takes to court, uh, but in fact then incorporates technology and says, well, actually you don't need to have 10 lawyers here. There's a better way where you can incorporate technology and, 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 you know, do this and do the other. And that way he introduces into um, the work environment, something that was not expected of him. That is not in, in, in the, you know, strictly speaking what he does. And I, I want to use the Vodacom case uh, with regard to the police call there. It was said and one of the very important factors that weighed in, in, in the court's mind was it's not as if this individual is hired to produce and invent and create new things. He was employed there as an accountant. And he then, arising out of his own personal experience where he felt that his girlfriend at the time was um, struggling to phone him and he wished that she could have some kind of thing where she she can instigate or, or cause him to call her. And just like that, the idea was born. But it wasn't what Vodacom expected him to do in the course and scope of his work. It was something that complemented Vodacom, the employer, but not what is hired. Does that not become important in, in the consideration of things? Because otherwise you'd have a situation where everybody's saying, well, I created this and I want to get paid. Well, Mike, I mean, with the guy with Vodacom, like you correctly point out, he was an accountant. Um, The one consideration I definitely go to is, again, the terms and conditions of his employment agreement, because it could set out clearly what exactly Vodacom would be entitled to and what they're not entitled to. Um, You also correctly point out is that it's not really likely that someone in accounting or in finance would come up with such an innovative and distinguished concept. But an important element here is that he took the concept and went to Vodacom. So he pitched the concept to Vodacom. He could have, for instance, pitched it to any other entity. And had he had chosen to do so, we would then go back to his employment agreement to say, is a creation outside of your norm um, covered by uh, uh, that contract? If it's not, then nothing actually precludes him. He could have gone to MTA and Asalsi or whoever else he wanted to go to. I got you. Uh, Mr. Nechitenda, your closing remarks. Um, we've got three minutes to go, and I, I, I want to just allow you to give your closing I think, remarks. Mm. I, I think I agree with uh, what my colleague said there. And then in conclusion is that uh, we need to have a lot of education and awareness for the small enterprise scene, mm. uh, small businesses, and uh, the common uh, people on the ground in order to invest on the issue of intellectual property since maybe our we are running going to run out of minerals one day and we need to depend on the intellectual property and creativity. And and then and then speaking of small businesses, I mean a lot of people might have this idea that it's expensive to register and protect these rights. I don't know whether that would be a fair um, well, a, a fair yeah. position. <clears throat> to a certain yes, to a certain extent, 
it is a fair uh, <coughs> analysis. Uh, trademark you can register from the initial stages up to completion. You don't need a lawyer. It's not expensive because you can do it on your own. To register a company, you can do it on your own. But when you come to patent for a year, you can do it on your own. But when you have to conclude the complete specification, that's where you need lawyers now. And then the DTI is in the process of uh, hiring and building capacity within this uh, commission that I talked about to assist the registrants and then without lawyers. But as for now, a patent can cost you a fortune. Um, your closing remarks? Well, uh, Mike, the one thing that the listeners must always bear into mind is that it's very important um, to kind of try and educate yourself with basic um, intellectual property. So learn to distinguish between what would be regarded as a trademark, what is a copyright, um, what is a patent, and what is a design. Of course, it's a very distinguished field. Um, it does also come with its complexities. But once you kind of have an idea of the difference between the, the four categories of intellectual property, it schools you. And then you ask yourself the next step is that I've got this great great concept in mind it falls within a certain category if no attorneys are required it's great you can proceed with a a, a lodgement and registration of that particular um, intellectual property if attorneys are required you'd kind of go back to the drawing board and see what can you do yourself for yourself rather to raise those funds that you need so don't overlook any um any intellectual property that you'd have and the vodacom case is a classic example of what you might disregard can actually be a fruitful and a very um, um a lucrative venture mm, mm. well that's it um for this part of our show uh, thank you to nonzan zamjal as well as mcdonald nechitende um up next so after this break we're going to be talking about the film and publications amendment act and what it says about what we can do and what we can't do on social media on our phones on the internet and uh, to help us understand this is a guest that you should know know, know very well by now uh, that's is tulwane uh, and she's she she she's a very big expert when it comes to these topics so you can look forward to that to my guest for now uh, thank you so much for joining us and uh, i look forward to engaging further because it looks like there's so much to be talking about when it comes to matters of intellectual property. We're going to take a break and we're back after that. Know your rights. Know the law. The Law Report with Michael Mithuning-Bill. 17 minutes before 9 o'clock. Tulwane Ncheke, good evening and thank you so much for joining us. Good evening, Mike. How are you? Very good and always lovely to be talking to you. One of the important things that have happened is uh, with regard to the signing by the President of the Fulman Publications Amendment Act. Should we be excited and Why? I think we should definitely be excited. It is a piece of legislation that um, has been long anticipated. I am aware that during the drafting of the legislation, there was a lot of criticism. In fact, at some point it was tagged the Internet Censorship Bill, simply because at some point it did have some sort of expression around regulating content online, Mm. which whether or not we're talking about commercial online content or user-generated content, there is merit in saying that to the extent that there is contentious material it has to be removed, but also looking at some of the reasons around ensuring that there's consumer protection and information around the kind of information or the kind of films that people can watch or gain. In the same way that if I go into a cinema, I can actually on the poster see what the classification rating is. Similarly, if I download a movie from a video on online enterprise, I should also be able to have the benefit of the information around what the particular classification rating is and whether there are any consumer advisories that I'm aware of. All right. So there's always been the Film and Publications Act, and I think it's been around for a number of years. What does yes. this introduce? In other words, what change is being introduced by this amendment? The main crux around why the Film and Publication um, Act was amended through the legislation was really with the proliferation of online content. And bearing in mind that the Film and Publication Board is a content regulator, and in terms of the Film and Publication Act, it's actually mandated to regulate all films through classified 
identifying them, assigning them the particular age rating, ensuring that distributors of phones are actually registered with the FTP and the FTP is able to then exercise jurisdiction and compliance monitors are actually able to ensure that there is compliance with the legislation. Now, with the increased proliferation of content online, it became a bit difficult for the FPP to, with certainty, start exercising its jurisdiction. Mm. And there was a bit of concern around whether or not the Film and Publication Act, before it's amended, really actually allowed the FPP to exercise jurisdiction over online content, as well as to what extent, what type of content, and if there was contentious content, how would that content be taken down? Mm. And the Film and Publication Board actually started off with the online regulation policy, and this is where a lot of the concern came in, because um, preceding the amendment bill, we had the online regulation policy that was initially quite broad in how the FPP was seeking to regulate um, online content. And when industry pushed back and raised their concerns, it was then advised that the online regulation policy itself be suspended and the phone and publication board rather look at developing an amendment bill that would amend very specific areas of the legislation, but also then maintaining some of the exemptions that are currently in the legislation. So currently, for instance, which is something that we must take note of, the Phone and Publication Board does not exercise any jurisdiction over broadcasting content. And we needed to ensure at the time when we were drafting the Phone and Publication Amendment Bill um, that we ensure that to the extent that there are already provisions in other pieces of legislation around regulation of content, Mm. those some of the structures that are already there and some of the broader legal frameworks to ensure that there is some sort of consistency and understanding around where the parameters of the Film and Publication Board was being extended to as far as online content is concerned and where the jurisdiction that's exercised by other entities such as, for instance, your press council to the extent that we're talking about online publications, which again we're seeing a proliferation of. And and you know so for we, we for example we always know where we stand when it comes to child pornography, and that has always been criminalized and and you know from, um so so that there's nothing controversial there where the criminal sanction is imposed. What I understand to be new about this act is also that it it, it criminalizes a different set of of offences and 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 if so which ones does it. So just to also um, give you a bit of an overview around how then the Film and Publication Amendment Act is now regulating um, content and specifically online content. Because of the broad the broadness of content that is available online, mm-hmm. the Film and Publication Board then took a stance that it would categorize online content into two categories, commercial content, which would essentially be, let's say, a transactional video-on-demand enterprises, and the classic example would be Netflix, mm-hmm. and that would be regulated in a very specific manner. Mm-hmm. We then have the category of non-commercial online content, and that would essentially be your user-generated content, and what typically you and I would upload on to social media platforms as well. And there what the FTP did was instead of um, exercising jurisdiction at the onset, it took the same the same approach that we have in Section 16 with relation to the regulation of publications. And it, 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 the, the approach that it took there was there would only be intervention to the extent that there is prohibited content. And the prohibited content that we now see in the Amendment Act, which has actually now been in the news reported quite wild, widely since the promulgation of the legislation, is things such as revenge porn. Mm. Um, it's things such as um, the depiction of violence against children. And again, this was really emanating from the complaints that the, that the FTP had been receiving during the process of actually developing the legislation. Um, and again, ensuring that to the extent that we've got hate speech and propaganda for war and incitement um, of imminent violence and such content is distributed online, particularly on a social media platform. The Phone and Publication Amendment Act, as we now have it, wanted to ensure sure that there are very clear provisions where, first of all, it's very clear that that particular content is prohibited, but secondly and quite importantly was how do we then deal with such content should it now be distributed online. But, but I mean, when, when we talk about revenge porn, um, yes. it, it seems specific. It, I, I have to be angry or it has to be kind of an act of vengeance. Um, yes. so, so where somebody sends me when we are lovey-dovey, sends me or we both co-produce 
um, nude or sexual content. And when things are sour and, and I'm upset, I my revenge or my retaliation, as it were, is that yeah. I broadcast that material and that hence the word yeah. revenge. But it seems a little bit narrow um, because I could also do that when it's not revengeful, when I'm not angry, when I'm showing off and I'm bragging. What then? It, is that content covered as well? So, so you know, we both produce uh, uh, ourselves or have, engaging in, in a sexual act, um, and I distribute it. You know, what 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 what, what would the position be in so far as the um, criminalization on whether whether that is an act of criminality? Okay, so and and again, I think there there would be a bit of an argument because the person depicted in that particular picture might not have consented to the dissemination of that particular um, content. Mm. And if, for instance, the the complainant could actually say that um, your actions could actually result in them actually suffering harm, because if you look at the prohibition relating to um, revenge porn. If, we, if, if I can call it that, um, like that. It requires also that um, the person disseminating that particular content must have had the intention of causing the individual harm. And the complainant might actually say that you, um, your, your actions could result in them, in, in you actually harming them in one way or another. But, but I mean, is, is that yeah. not the very point where somebody could say, but I wasn't intending to harm you. I thought, yes. I thought, I thought it's, it's a great work of art and I thought, it just had to be shared. That, that, that's the, what, 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 what then happens where I have no ill intentions. I was just saying, okay. look at this work of art. So if that, let's say, was to be successful, um, the Film and Publication Board also has very clear provisions around the dissemination or the distribution of sexually explicit films sure. as well as publications. And when we're talking about pictures, that would fall within the definition of a publication. Right. And the Film and Publication Board, together with, um, or the Film and Publication Act, together with the classification um, guidelines, actually outline what would constitute sexually explicit images, and that's essentially what would be classified X18. And there are very clear prohibitions in terms of how one can go about disseminating that particular class. But I mean, that brings us to the old act, doesn't it? Because uh, I'm sorry to just come in abruptly, but it brings us back to the old act because then it would mean, are you distributing it to um, 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 an, an adult uh, is that adult um, warns that you're going to give them uh, sexual content, um, and and if I tick those boxes, in other words, my fr- I tell I I send it to a friend of mine who's way over eighteen and who welcomes the idea of me sending him these video or images, uh, and it, that so the recipient is quite happy to receive it, but there's still a player in that video who is who who is not completely pleased. So essentially, either way, um, even when you look at the Film and Publication Act, Mm. the amended act, Mm. holistically, there is still a prohibition of material that would be classified X-18. And even if you're distributing that on an online platform, Mm. even now with the Film and Publication Amendment, as there are very clear provisions around the circumstances under which that would be permitted. So notwithstanding the fact that the person depicted in that particular image might not necessarily have a problem with it, Mm. but because it's content that would attract an X-18 classification rating, the Film and Publication Amendment Act is very clear around who can actually disseminate that particular kind of content and what the mechanism should be around ensuring that that particular type of content is not um, accessible to any ordinary member of the public. So those are some of the things that you would have to contend with when the Film and Publication Board, for example, would then want to intervene and engage with the person distributing that particular type of content. So there are still very clear prohibitions around 
the general distribution of sexually explicit images, whether or not it would fall under the now revenge porn provisions, as we call them, mm. or the general prohibition relating to content that would be classified X18, because there the stance hasn't changed around ensuring that that particular type of content, whether it's through a, a, a hard copy picture, whether it's through a physical DVD, or whether it's online, there still is a very clear principle around ensuring that there's some sort of protection mechanism around that particular type of content specifically. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure <laughs> I'm not sure if if we've kind of because you know the the I, I what what you're explaining it kind of makes easier sense in the distribution and in a commercial sense. Um but I'm just thinking as between WhatsApp groups of adults um, whether whether that would kind of give you know because when I when I saw kind of the the highlights of this act I, I was a little bit excited because it seems to me that you know what what was a difficult job of having to report the matter to the police and claim criminal urea or all sorts of things um, was now avoided or obviated by this new thing that comes in and says actually we're going to create a special regime in terms of which this act is criminalized, but it seems as if, it seems to me that, you know, if I can't demonstrate the m- malicious intent to do harm, it would be very difficult to, from, from the explanation I'm getting, it would be very difficult to kind of invoke the provisions of the, of the Amendment Act. However, mm-hmm. remember, Mike, you still can't ordinarily, according to the Foreman Publication Act as amended now, distribute... Um, distribute pornographic content mm. and we now have the provisions around social media that specifically define it on the internet so when we're talking about um, the distribution of or online distribution of pornographic content the prohibition would say any person or no person can um, distribute pornographic material or sexually explicit material on any medium, including the Internet. Yes, I do acknowledge that when it comes to social networking sites such as WhatsApp, that's very different because it's peer-to-peer, there's the encryption issue. Mm. But to the extent that we're talking about an open social media platform where that particular type of content would be easily accessible to any member of the public, it would fall squarely within that prohibition that you cannot, not on the internet, not on a social media platform, distribute pornographic content. And at that point, there is also no distinction about whether or not it's done on a commercial basis or a non-commercial basis. Hence the prohibition being extended to social media as well as online distribution generally. And because, again, it's very broad, the internet in itself, a lot of the time the FPB reacts once content has once they've been alerted to specific types so it's of a more, more reactionary um because it's a they, more yeah. reactionary right yeah. right but what well, is, well what we have run out of time to um uh, but but thank you so much i think i'm i'm very i'm very encouraged by the progress and i think i think from what i'm understanding and what you're saying is there seems to have been some balancing act between not being a censorship and and also kind of making some some progress insofar as protection of 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 rights and dealing with issues of today like revenge porn so it is progress and um and i guess the whole country legislatively speaking is a work in progress uh, that's Tulani and jacket thank you so much Tulani, and thank you so much to you afropolitan uh, thank you so much for for being with us and 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 as you know next week again we do the same thing right here so i look forward to that from me michael Mutoning, bill good evening